you got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. Back for week 18 here with my partner in crime, Baby Huey. Mike, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, Mandy. Glad to be back for another week. And as usual, uh, we have a monstrous guest here. They keep getting bigger and bigger. And uh, happy to have this man here. I've actually just finished uh, participating in his uh, prospect, uh, prospect 1 ADP mock draft. So, uh, happy to pick his brain for a little bit and hear his thoughts on some players. That's right. I mean, you talked about him. You could say he's like the Loch Ness Monster of prospect analysts out there. He is the George Washington on the Mount Rushmore of baseball prospect analysts. The one and only, the one and only the Welsh, who also, for those that don't know, the In This League podcast, Prospect One, co-hosting Fantasy Pros Baseball podcast. You do it all, my friend. Pumped to have you joining the show. Welcome in to the call-up. I what a freaking open. Good Lord. I'm, I'm ready to run through a wall right now. Now I appreciate it. Uh, I'm also probably physically the biggest, like I'm six <laughs> foot four, lots of pounds. So like, I'm not sure that there's a whole, I mean, maybe someone could overpass it in weight or something, but the six foot four frame definitely does actually like physically make me one of the biggest, but I'm very glad to be here. I'm very glad to talk prospects with you both. And uh, Michael, thank you again for taking part. Uh, P180P mocks the undertaking I did for creating a prospect ADP system. It's something I've done for a couple of years. And this is the first in-season one we ever did, which is kind of unique. And that's going to be out on uh, my Patreon next week at endlessleague.com. Top 200 prospects over multiple leagues, creating a cool ADP. And I appreciate Michael and a bunch of industry people taking part in it. I love that you do that. And I, I feel like more people need to talk about that because you were the person that came up with the idea of doing prospect ADP. And to be able to make that a thing so people can really study on, on which prospects to look at and and just kind of judging them based when they're going to be called up and, yeah. and all these other things. So it's, it's how did you come up with the idea to do that? Oh, just I mean, just, you know, like we play fantasy. We like ADP. Some people don't like ADP. So it's just funny, too. Like people will, you know, shun off any type of uh, average draft position for anybody. But I don't know. It's just there wasn't that that didn't exist for prospects. And what ends up happening and, you know, hey, I'm someone that creates a list. I have a top 500 prospect list on my Patreon. So sure, do I want people to pay attention to me? But they just don't. People pay attention to a lot of different people. I've noticed, you know, maybe I'll be part of like a trio of somebody that people really like and they pay attention to those three. And I've seen people in their own right, you know, get lists and kind of average them out. So my thought process was, well, I'm going to take all of the industry people that play fantasy and no prospects in that way. And I'll take really hardcore dynasty people who are on my Patreon who play put them all together, mix them up, put them in multiple leagues, and let's just get a value system. So even if you don't look at it as like an average draft position so much, you're going to get a market value on where everybody is, not just where I value a player or where Michael values a player or Eric Cross or James Anderson. It's no, what is the collective of all these people end up thinking? And it really ends up spitting out, you know, what, 
I don't know, maybe the top 50 picks, 80% might seem kind of the norm. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, but this guy jumped up or this guy jumped up and everybody has bought in it. I actually kind of find it as like an interesting trade value chart as well to understand what the market value for your own players are when you're doing trades. So, you know, just like you guys, always trying to do, we're all independent content creators in this kind of space and trying to create new unique things that help people out and the uh, people that support all of us are the reason why we can do it. That's just one of the little things, one of the little tools, man. And again, where can people find that ADP? Uh, in this league.com, it should be out probably by next week. Actually, just today, we're recording this on, uh, on the 9th, on the Tuesday. I just recorded or just posted my uh, updated top 500 prospects and dynasty list. Usually the ADP goes with it. It'll probably be Monday of the coming week. I'll post that and then it'll be a part of my list. And it will also compare against two other versions of this I've done in 2022. So there's like a, a fall kind of ish one, a um, just before the season started one and this one. So not only can you see the individual ones, but you can see how it's moved throughout the season. So it's in this league.com. Man, I'm getting hot in here. Just, Fun just thinking about that. Whoa, <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. Uh, but of course, we brought you on this episode today, too, because we got to just talk about this season prospects going right now and what they've been doing. So let's kick it off. Let's talk about our minor league players of the week, players that have been putting up numbers over the last week that we want to highlight. And we're going to kick things off here with the first guy that you wanted to talk about here, uh, Welsh and Will Brennan in the Cleveland Guardians organization right now in AAA. And what is it recently that you've been seeing out of him that's made you kind of catch your eye here on him? Yeah, so uh, talk about numbies. Will Brennan is a numbies guy. Now, he might not be a huge, huge counting stats player at the end of the day, but I think he's a super underrated player. And I'm not, it, what's funny about this is he's actually kind of like an atypical prospect in my mind for what I usually do is people know like one thing I've been known for for many years is I'll get really in on the early international classes and stuff like that I'm looking at total value I might weigh the now a little bit less than some others I know a lot of people will just weigh hey if this guy's coming up in the next year he comes up because of proximity I'm a little bit less of a proximity guy so this is like a not big touted guy it's kind of a proximity guy and um He's a little bit older. He's 24 years old, but it just speaks to me because all the dude does is hit on the season. He's got nine homers, 18 stolen bases, a 330 average with an almost 400 OBP. So you're talking like a four, five, uh, uh, four, a three, four, five slash guy, which I absolutely love. And a big, just left-handed bat who just gets consistent contact in the month of August. Again, these aren't like skyrocketing like is he the number one player da, da, da. no but in august he's hitting 444 he's had a hit in every game but the last one he's had two three hit games already and i mean when i start to look at this and try to put this together here the amount of games he doesn't have a hits in let me see if i can do a quick count two three four five six seven since july 1st he's only had seven games without a hit how about june 21st Still only seven games without a hit makes pretty good card contact. I think it's across his body, like maybe more doubles power, but he's stealing. He's got some home run power in there. They've already brought up a few guys in the Guardians. I think this is a guy that's relatively close. And he did not actually, uh, if we want to talk about my ADP for a second, he didn't show up really well on my ADP. Not the industry-wide, the value is not there. I'm trying to remember. I want to say it might have been close to the 200 marker where he was. I got him around 120. 
because I think this is a really, really solid bat. I, I tend to, for whatever reason, like the Guardians guys a little bit more, like George Valera more than the industry. But this is a guy that is going to get run. There is a position that's available for him in the majors. It's a five-tool type of player with high contact and powers the last tool to develop. So I like Will Brennan. And hey, since August, pretty much over the last week, he's hitting over 400. So I uh, wanted to highlight him. Now, could you see him being like somebody else that's already on the Guardians and Stephen Kwan, somebody that's a very high contact guy, maybe not the most home run power, but someone that's going to consistently get the bat on the ball? Uh, I think more counting stat uh, effective, though. You know, Kwan is like, Kwan doesn't strike out. Like, Kwan, you know, that was his whole thing when he came up. It was like, the dude never strikes out, da da da. Um, Brennan doesn't really either. He's only struck out 49 times in just under 400 at bats so far this year. He's also got 43 walks. So he shares a little bit that, but there's a little bit more strikeout on him, but he's got more power and he steals, actually steals bases. He stole 15 last year and had six homers. This year, the power uptick is ticked just a tiny bit up into nine while lowering his strikeout rate. So here's an interesting thing. 72 strikeouts last year in 102 games, 388 at-bats. This year, 374 at-bats, only 49 strikeouts. So strikeouts <laughs> have been cut. Stolen bases are up. Power is up. Uh, he's got more doubles than he had last year in eight less games with 29. And doubles is a nice indicator to potential future power. So this isn't like... Jordan Lawler, you know, Jordan, Jordan Lawler is freaking out. This isn't Jordan Walker. This isn't top overall prospects, but this is a guy that no one's really paying attention to. The market has him uh, almost run a top 200 overall player. He's close to the majors. I'm shocked that more uh, proximity people don't like him, makes lots of contact. And if the power does develop nicely, this could be a 1525 type of guy that could hit on near the top of a Guardians lineup in the near future. I love it. And again, that is Will Brennan. He's right now on the verge with the Cleveland Guardians. Next player, next hitter we'll talk about here, Mike, someone you wanted to highlight, and Brett Beatty, third baseman for the New York Mets. Last 10 days, you can see the numbers on screen, a 390, 490, 878 slash. He's got six home runs, 21 RBIs over that time. And overall, in A this season, he's putting up some really good numbers. Mike, what do you think the outlook is on Brett Beatty? Well, yeah, I've liked him going back, I guess, a year and a half, an hour or so, uh, he just just got promoted to AAA, actually. So all those all those great numbers, like the Welsh said, you know, a 300, 400, 500 slash line. He's not going to bring you the speed, but he does everything that I look for in a four category player. He he takes a good amount of walks. The strikeout rate's not out of control, uh, around twenty five percent. He has double plus raw power, which I don't think we have seen the full extent of what he can do there yet. So. Uh, this is someone, and I think his hit tool might be a little underrated. It's listed about average. I think it's probably about above average. So if you have an above average hit tool with double plus raw power at third base, and he's close, he's always been relatively young for his level. Uh, this is just a player that I think is, he's on top 100 lists, but he's just kind of thought of as a, like a blah type of player. I don't think everyone loves him. And I think he's just a really nice target uh, for his upside and his proximity. Now, obviously, him being somebody that is in the Mets organization where they have a ton of great hitting players in their lineup already, do you see him, obviously right now in AA putting up great numbers, do you see him potentially being someone that could break camp with them next year if he has a good, strong rest of the year? I would guess probably not. I think because there's such a good stack team at this point, they'll start him off in AAA to begin the year. But I do think he'll be in the mix for an early call-up, especially if he's productive. I, I think he's a big part of their future. 
I, I see him as their third baseman of the future. I, I was actually shocked that he wasn't involved in any of the uh, in any of the trade discussions heavily. Mark Vientos was more, and one of the reasons as well is kind of like you're talking about that they, they've got a lot of spots. Um, that are most likely going to be filled by more major league ready talent. But he was here in the AFL last year and he was, I, I think it was one of the first games I was at one of the first couple games and not all of them have a lot of like the TrackMan data and stuff like that, but salt river fields does. And they have, if people don't know the Arizona fall league, it's like six teams comprising of like all the prospects in baseball, like five organizations will make up, they'll send like six prospects out and they'll make up one team. Bop, 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 bop. And he was out here. And he was playing in Salt River and you could get data on him. We were actually getting like bat at ball data. And he had put up in his first two to bats, 110 mile plus uh, exit velocity, which 110 is usually the marker for uh, plus, you know, EV or plus power. I'm sorry. And he was doing that on the regular. I don't remember what the number was, but it was like every single at bat you were having at least. Uh, or every single game, you're having at least one exit velocity at 110. And he got off to a really hot start. He got kind of a little bit swing happy. He was starting to hit balls into the ground and then picked it back up on the back half. But the guy has insane, insane power that can easily be 30 plus if he makes good contact. Here's the positive. AFL is seen as like a uh, finishing school. So a lot of teams will bring them here when they want them to, you know, maybe uh, get the extra bats for the rigors of a full season. Maybe they've missed time. Beatty was in that space where he was like just getting close to this major league ready. And you come off of that AFL where you got the extra bats and look at the improvements. Um, he's improved his batting average by 20 points this year. He is uh, his doubles are right on key. He's got more power. He's not striking out any less. I mean, literally, this is wild. Last year, 98 strikeouts in 91 games. This year, 98 strikeouts in two less games. 46 mm. walks last year in 91 games. 46 walks in 89 games right now. At the doubles, exactly the same, 22. So what's improved? Homers, the uh, stolen bases, I guess you could put out there. The batting average, the OBP, the slugging, the OB, every single thing that you're looking for from hard hit has improved. The only thing he hasn't done a better job of it is lowering, necessarily lowering the strikeouts but he's improved his batting average over 300. So he's, he's answering all those calls. I think this is a great um, person to put on here. And Michael said it really well too. He is kind of blah. A lot of people treat him blah. Like he does, he's not Francisco Alvarez. He's not the other exciting guys, the rookie guys, but he hits the ball really hard. I think he's the type of guy that would have some struggles when he first comes up. But when the dust settles, I think he's exciting. So you trade for him now when no one cares, he gets called up. His value is going to dip probably. And then if people come back down on him, he's a guy I'd want to pick up. It's kind of like an Alec Bohm. Like Alec Bohm made great contact, didn't have the power. It all kind of went sideways and then it's working itself back up. And he is exactly who he is. I think Beatty could be the same way. He hits the ball really hard that if he makes some good decisions, things are going to fall his way. That even when the batting average comes back down, when it comes back up and stabilizes, that power could be a really big thing. And uh, he he's actually like less talked about than the other prospect. They have Mark Vientos, who is kind of a worse batting average player, double plus power for sure in that organization. Brett Beatty's a really good pick here. Keep your eye on Brett Beatty. Uh, Welsh, I do want to stay with you. And let's talk about your next guy on this list and the 6'3 lefty with a nasty changeup in Jordan Wicks. What is it about him that has you excited? 
Yeah, so, I mean, I wanted to pick Wicks also just because the last two outings have been phenomenal. There's so many pitchers you could think of. If we were looking, you know, this is kind of like your pitcher of the week. Uh, I'm almost looking at this like pitcher of August since it's like Mm -hmm. eight or nine days. It's about a week. Um, There are guys that like Tink Hens is somebody that I wanted to throw on here, but he only had one start. He looked really good. But Jordan Wicks has had two starts in the month of August in a five-day span, which does actually qualify in our week uh, run here. He's given up five hits over both starts. He only walked two, which was in one game, and he struck out 15. So nine innings, five hits, two walks, 15 strikeouts, held batters to a 156 batting average. Whip is uh, pretty low as well. And on the season, you know, he's continuously just improved himself. He's got a 3-7 ERA over 20 starts, 109 strikeouts with an arsenal of stuff. He's got a killer, killer changeup, which, you know, you got to have a changeup. You got to have a slider if you're going to be a punch-out pitcher. And he's got the changeup. And he's got a curveball and slider that complement his setup fastball. And I love that. I love a guy that can pound fastball in. He's got really good command, repeatable delivery. He's showing it even on the uh, back half of this season. I mean, seeing a pitcher like this be able to put up bigger numbers and improve as the season goes on, I think is a real like solid test to who they are. You know, this is the time where you think these guys might start to waver a little bit, get into the summer months. They kind of drag. This is the most innings he's pitched. It's not happening. He's getting better. And that changeup is going to be a huge punch out pitch with a high command guy. So four solid pitches. Again, this is kind of my same theme with like Will Brennan and Jordan Wicks are maybe two of the least sexy guys you could put on this list, especially if you're talking about like, Hey, players of the week, there's awesome guys out there. You talk about uh, Jackson Churio and Ellie de la Cruz, but if you're looking for some application, these are two guys that are really cheap, I think on the market and astute owners are probably gonna know what's going on. But the second half of these seasons are really working well and in favor. And this is, you know, I'm, I'm a big, not pay for high, high end pitching guy because there's a stable of guys between the 75s to 150s on lots of lists that are just waiting to make the next big jump. Tink Hintz is a perfect example of that this year. Gavin Stone is an example of that. For you know, for every Max Meyer and Grayson Rodriguez, there's a Tink Hintz that's coming in. And Jordan Wicks, I think, is one of those guys because he's already at double A. He's going to be knocking on the majors here soon, and that is a punch-out change-up. So uh, I'm, uh, I'm a fan of Jordan Wicks. Yeah, and I love just, again, you kind of touched on it well. It's like we don't always necessarily have to talk about the players everybody's talking about. Like these are kind of digging in a little deeper for people that are listening to the show and are trying to get a jump on their league mates on some lesser known prospects. And I love but- talking about the big dogs. That's my favorite thing to talk about the big dogs. But sometimes, yeah, it is fun to to kind of dig and play in that middle ground. You got to talk about the chihuahuas too. That's right. We, we sure. love for all the, all the, all the different yeah, types the of mutts, dogs there. The mutts. These That's are the mutts. right. Uh, now, Mike, I'm going to give you a pass because you picked the less exciting Philadelphia Phillies prospect. Uh, it's not Andrew Painter. But we're talking about Mickabel here, who also, they went back to back and just dominated uh, in their outings. 12 innings over his last 10 days, zero earned runs with 18 strikeouts. If you're a Philadelphia Phillies fan, you have to be pumped at the young pitching that's coming up through the pipeline here. What are your thoughts about Mr. Mickabell here? Yeah, absolutely. Andrew Painter would have been a great choice. We've talked about him. I know he's one of your favorites. Uh, this is the first time Abel, uh, as the Welsh said, is you know the sample size. I got two starts in there. He got two wins, put up big numbers. So on the season, he's got uh, 84 innings with 102 strikeouts a 3.64 ERA, a 1.29 whip. The FIPS in line with that. I'd like to see the strikeout rate come up a little bit. Uh, the walk rate as well. I, I, I still feel like this is a guy who's a work in progress. 
But I mean, everyone who's been playing for a while fantasy and dynasty knows like the upside here. We're talking about a guy with a, a 65 grade fastball, a double plus curveball potentially, above average changeup with above average command. So this is a frontline starter guy. It's going to be between, I mean, him and Painter could form a vicious one-two combo down the line if everything works out for them. But the main reason I wanted to bring him up was because this is the first time he's really stood out in, in the short sample size versus other pitchers. And his season stats don't necessarily jump off the page. This isn't like a, a guy who's like a breakout guy necessarily. So I think there's like some sort of buying opportunity here, if you're especially if you're a believer, because I don't think we've seen the best of him yet. And I do think this is going to be, you know, a guy who could be a top five pitching prospect once it all clicks. I'm really interested to see if both Nick Abel and Andrew Painter end up making it all the way up or if the Phillies get to a point before them where they're really contending and they use one of them as a big trade chip to get something to come in there. I feel like it, it, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong because you've been looking at prospects more than I have or over the years. If you have two guys that are as high end as these two, do they often both make it to the majors together? Or do you see a team basically with the surplus that they have trying to use it to acquire more major league talent? That's tough. That's a tough question. I mean, I, I think major, like <laughs> in fantasy, we probably devalue, especially prospect pitching. I know I do more, maybe more than any of it, but in real life, that's the thing that you hold and tight the most. You have a firm grip on that I don't know. I, I think it's a possibility. I don't know how this team can move Andrew Painter. I think, especially with how this team likes to spend, look at Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola came from the ground up. The best mm -hmm. thing that they could possibly do is let these guys, if they truly believe in them, develop at the highest level. And then you go in. This is the, the old, um, I guess like the Mets model. The Mets model was you build within on starting pitching and you just spend like crazy on hitting and that's really what the Phillies can end up doing so I think they both make it to the to the majors this is a great one-two punch probably I did this in the preseason I don't know if I had had them on here but when you start to go through like what are the best duos in in baseball like prospect duos of pitching you know the Orioles probably near the top with um Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall you could argue the Rangers now with Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter um, I'm forgetting just a couple off the top of my head right now, but, um, you know, Marlins have kind of been in that list. They had, uh, you know, at one time six though, Yuri Perez and Max, Max Meyer and Yuri Perez probably actually number one. Now that I think about it, if you're still into it, but these, my whole point is like, these guys would be in that same group with how they both perform. And a fun fact about McAble, uh, big trading card guy, as is his dad, Ooh. his dad is active in the, in, in the community and has like, he has the biggest, as no shocker, the biggest McAble, uh, collection. He does. He has like a huge, huge collection of his son's cards. He collects and he does all the, if people ever get into like card breaks and stuff, you might see Mick Abel's dad out there uh, trying to get his cards and get the whole thing. I always thought that was interesting. I love that. That's awesome. I mean, I yeah. feel like as a dad, like you would want to do that if your son's in the, or on his way to the big oh. leagues. Like, yeah, of course, get as many of his cards as you can. Yeah, totally. Like we have, I, I enjoy autographs as anyone could see in a video. I've got, you know, the, the ball wall back here and into cards and all that. And um, there's, there's quite a few, there's a lot of players that actually gotten into it as of recent because of uh, you've seen Mike Trout actually talked about it. Uh, Alex Bregman, because there's a lot of money involved in it and that's a big aspect of it. But I know a couple of people in our uh, Patreon who have like sold cards and they've actually sold 
two dads of players. And there's like been multiple times you're like, oh, that's actually my son. So I bought those cards. I always think it's really interesting when they kind of dive into that stuff or they're or they're excited about their own stuff. Mick Abel probably uh, has one of the most active dads in that community. I love that. I'm gonna, That's what I'm associate with him uh, from now on. <laughs> yeah, the trading cards. Yeah, It's, it's fantastic. Um, let's go and let's talk about also now some notable promotions and some players that were recently promoted since we last talked on the call up here. Will Benson with the Cleveland Guardians, Tyler Freeman with the Cleveland Guardians, and Peyton Burdick with the Miami Marlins. Well, with those three names, is there one of those three that you think makes an impact for fantasy the rest of this year? Or are they kind of all just... Uh... Uh, Tyler Freeman's got the best opportunity. So this is, I just talked about this the other day. This is a, I'm in a really weird situation in my like, you know, prospect career or whatever you want to call it, because I live out in Arizona. Anybody who knows me knows. And I've been around, I'm at least around half of a lot of these guys because half of the teams do spring training out here. And I am in this moment where I'm seeing guys that I saw have major league debuts and no one was ever talking about Tyler Freeman is one of those. No one ever cared about Tyler Freeman. I remember seeing him uh, when George Valera was out there and I was like, this kid is really interesting. And you know, his family would follow me and I would post twists. And, and now I'm seeing him at the major league level. Will Benson is someone I never like physically one of the most gifted people I've ever seen in person. He's uh, uh, an Adonis uh, just towers over. I'm six foot four. It's like six foot five, six foot six. He's an absolute rock, but he's had a big hole in his swing up until this past year. So I have a hard time believing that that's like gonna stick Peyton Burdick, all power, no contact um, really regressed as far as the hit tool goes, but he can, you know, he can sling it, but Tyler Freeman, is unique because this is a no strikeout. This is kind of like the Quan guy. This is a uh, not big strikeout, walk, get on base, makes lots of contact, kind of concerned about where the counting stats are going to go. And he was injured a lot of this season, but even being injured, missing time, he still was able to get a push up. I think he's a crazy uh, talented player that can play across the board. And I think that gives him more flexibility that he can play multiple positions, uh, high contact player. Will Benson is the sexiest of all of them from a counting stats perspective. If you believe I don't really. So I would go with Tyler Freeman. I thought you were going to say sexiest from the physical perspective. I mean, also like you got to see this. Dude. I remember I had this one time I was with my kid and we were on the back. Backfields uh, was over on, uh, it was actually on the Reds side. The Reds and uh, Guardians share a complex so they can just walk over uh, out here in spring training. And we were, we were just talking to Taylor Trammell. I ended up, uh, who's now with the Mariners, I ended up uh, interviewing many, many years ago. And he remembered me and I was with my kid on the backfields and we were talking. And then comes over, it's Nolan Jones and Will Benson. And if you know Nolan Jones, who's also got his major league call, Nolan Jones is a big dude, six foot four, 200 pounds. And like, again, I'm like just, just at six foot three, maybe I'm or six foot four, maybe lower myself a tiny bit, six foot three, three and quarters. And like, I'm like, geez, here's him. And then you get Will Benson that's right here. And it's just like, for me to feel small is a tall task. It, it's hard <laughs> to make me feel small. And I felt small and I weak and I was like, hello, sirs. What can, you know, like they're so they're both physically empowering. And Will Benson is like an absolute rock. He's the type of guy, like I said, if he could hit 300, he would be a 40, 20 guy. You know, he would 35, 30, 30 easy 30, 30 guy. If he had uh, immaculate pitch recognition and contact skills 
which I just don't really think is there. It's a high strikeout rate, doesn't walk a whole bunch. Um, he did it this year, which is great. Maybe it'll turn around, but these are guys I struggle with, guys that have struggled, 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 struggled. Then all of a sudden it clicks and everybody's now on board with. I'm just not sold that it fully clicks with him. Where Tyler Freeman is like high-end contact type of guy. I don't know if the counting stats would be great, but I do hope they will be. So when Fab runs, we're recording this on August 9th. This will be out for everybody to see on August 10th. When Fab runs this coming Sunday, this would be somebody you would be looking to potentially pick up in a season-long league. Yeah, I don't know if I would... I don't know if any of these guys really interest me. I mean, the one guy that interests me of everybody, it just made me look so stupid, the stupid Dodgers. I was just like, Miguel Vargas, we're here. Miguel Vargas yeah, is a yeah. freak. I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that literally does everything. He's the perfect player, especially for a team that has like, what is it, like seven players that can't hit even 200. Mm-hmm. Like Miguel Vargas is the perfect player. And I was like, listen, I'm not even sure if I care about Cody Bellinger anymore. Max Muncy, Vargas is here. This And then they optioned him like immediately. They optioned him 24 hours after I said that. So Vargas would have been the dude that I would have been putting bids on. Of these guys you said, it's Freeman. But I don't really know if I would be active with any of them. And what's frustrating about Vargas too is he had two hits in his first game. And then I think he sat two of his next three. Like that was, that's... I mean, you have somebody that comes up, gets two hits in their first game, and then you reward them with sitting the next game. I will tell you, when we talk about uh, who's coming up next, I'm going to implement a theory to my guy and why Vargas is not up, because I think it might be attached. Ooh, that's a a professional tease right there, Walsh. I like it. I like it. Uh, Mike, let's talk about someone we're looking at down in the minors in our prospect watch. Kicking it off with your guy, Kyle Manzardo. The Tampa Bay Rays organization right now hitting over 300 in high A, got 17 home runs, a great K to walk rate, nearly a one to one right there. The Rays know how to develop these guys. What has him excited or has you excited about him? Well, I've been following him all year just because he's been putting up good stats, but uh, just doing the prospect 180p mock recently, I found myself really attracted to him, especially where he was going in drafts. And I started digging in deeper. And like you said, that nearly identical walk and strikeout rate. He's a little old for the level, but the power is there. He just got moved up to double A today, I believe. So that's going to be a big indicator of where he stands. This isn't a guy who's going to bring you any sort of solo bases, but in a similar vein as uh, Brett Beatty, it's just kind of not super exciting, I guess, in the prospect world because of the lack of speed. But this kid has a double plus hit tool. And like you said, the Rays are capable of, of unlocking the best out of prospects. His power is already showing to be more than scouting grades gave him credit for. Uh, the 300 plus ISO is really encouraging. So basically you're looking at a guy with a high contact rate, good walk rate, really good power in a great organization, a left-handed hitter. Um, and just the lack of speed is going to keep his price down, I believe. But if you're looking for like a four category type player, I believe this is one of the better targets right now. And uh, if he's available in your leagues, I think you should go out and try to get him or even try to get him uh, in a deal and just not let the trade partner know how excited you are about him. Also throw out in uh, in on Rotowire's bat of ball data, he always stands out for almost a 36% hard hit rate. And uh, he just missed, I was actually doing this the other day. Uh, if I were to 
be an active article writer. I probably would have wrote an article about this, but going and not only uh, supplementing the hard hit to being over 30, but then filtering it to have soft contact under 15. He just misses that mark, but he's at it. And you got to love a guy that has a 30 plus hard hit with a low 15.5 soft contact rate, which really just kind of all it does is just reaffirm and shows off like how hard this guy hits the ball. He's a three, four, six slash guy with an over thousand OPS and he strikes out and walks at about the same rate. He is a very, very exciting hit tool guy. He's always been a little lower for the levels, like you said, which bothered me a tiny bit, but he he's gotten a big boost over my last two rank updates. Do you guys think he could be someone that moves through the minor league system quickly now? Like you could see him up by 2024 at this rate, or do you think he's somebody that uh, could be even further off than that? It's a raise, but 2024, yeah, because he's older. If he's already touching double A, for sure. Like, I thought you were going to say, like, this year or the beginning of next year. Oh, no. like, nah, <laughs> it's the raise. They're weird about stuff. Uh, who knows? You know, who knows? I mean, they, I feel like they maybe were a little bit more aggressive, but that with more, more recent guys, if you look at like Vidal Brujan, Franco, and mm-hmm. Josh Lowe, but some of those are not really great stories that are going to yeah. make them want to keep doing that. And maybe they did rush a few of those guys. So, I think uh, 2024 is like a really good timeline for Manzardo. I think they, I think he's a prime player that they are going to send to the Arizona Fall League this year out here, I hope. And then he just spends a whole season at AAA with maybe the potential cup later on, but then they push him in 2024. That's just my take. What do you think, Michael? I agree. Absolutely. Uh, because of the Rays, if this was an organization who had less talent, I think they, they he has the he has the hit tool in power right now, I think, to be pushed quickly similar to like a like an advanced college bat i guess all right well loving the hit tool from him and again for those that are wondering that's kyle manzardo all right welsh your guy for this and it's another outfield prospect for the seattle mariners they just these guys just keep coming through in the mariners these outfielders and um we got to talk about him gabriel gonzalez and high a for them or an a ball right now uh 18 years old somebody that K rate's not too bad, about a little over 16%, but he's hitting 357 for a 19 OBP. What do you think about Gabriel Gonzalez that is, I mean, again, the outfielder for the Seattle Mariners, that alone is is just catching my my attention, and he's crushing it right now. So let me ask you something real quick. Um, this You like this on the video side, right, of this podcast? This is this is You consider this more video? Yeah, 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 okay. with like the slides and all that. Can I, sh- can I share something? Of course. Yeah. Okay. This is my Twitter handle. This is Gabriel Gonzalez the other day. You'll, you should go, y'all should be able to hear this as well. This was him versus the Rangers in Josh Young's debut. You can see the body type really nice, you know, up front frame. He's grown a couple inches since I've seen him. Just watch this swing real quick, this home run swing. So here comes the pitch. Just... <laughs> absolute explode now listening to it doesn't quite give you the the frame but just rewinding here and coming back as you can see so just on the video so look at look at like the body extension he just he comes across hands up turns and then look at that uppercut cut right there and just so just again for the people watching on the video so i highly suggest you guys be here on youtube so you can check it out this is gabriel gonzalez with i think it was a three run shot just absolutely crushes it over left field and that bad boy traveled 
traveled right out. Uh, that was at the complex level. I love me some Gabriel Gonzalez. I think he was the best hitter here. He hit 357 in complex ball. This was like that home run was the day, two days before he got sent up. Five homers, five stolen bases, nine doubles, 357 average, a 548 slugging, and almost 900 OPS. And in six games in A ball, 357 batting average. He's doing that again. He's already hit his first homer and stolen a base in his first run. A couple strikeouts, but also a couple walks. He has 10 hits in 28 at bats in uh, pretty much you know the month of August, so just about a week. I think he's a star. I think he's a stud. He's got, as you can see in that swing, he's just got great plate presence. Uh, it's a really strong team too, that Mariners team. And I love the way he swings bat and he's a game-changing type of guy. He's a five-tool player. You know, he's different than Noelvi. He's different than Julio Rodriguez. He's got swagger though. He's got the chains. He knows he's good. He knows his approaches. He can walk. Every time I see him, he gets hits. Those are big, impactful ones. I love the swing. He's just one of those deeper guys. He's a ways away, but this is a no doubt top 100 prospect. And I think he ended up, I don't, you know, I'd be honest with you, I don't know where he was on the P180P. Go sign up on the Patreon. I have no idea where he finished. I haven't dug into it quite yet. It literally finished today uh, and we have putting it together. But Gabriel Gonzalez, I think, is an easy top 100 prospect that is further away and very flashy with big power. And I love, love, love that not only do you take complex ball results and do good, but you transfer it over to a ball and you continue that stellar performance. That's a big thing. Hitting, I mean, you, a lot of guys, Edward Perez is a prime example of a guy last year or the year before um, that killed complex level, you know, some power speed hit three, whatever goes to a ball just down, hit a hit hundred struck out. They completely got, you know, they really got to him because complex level does have more difficult pitching Gabriel Gonzalez is a guy that is not going to suffer from this. So uh, that is a guy to be paying attention to for sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He went in the top 75 in my in my draft. So okay, he's good. already being valued that high. So And I do think he has the skill set to be moved uh, really high on prospect lists. Like when you like, like well said, 18-year-olds, once they make that move from the complex league to, to low A and they're still producing, that's a sign of a top prospect. Yeah, and you, you said it great. I forgot. He's 18 years old. He's not going to turn 19 until the beginning of the year. So he'll start next season as a 19 year old. It's just like, listen, is it you go nuts about it? Some people will. I just really like this guy. I liked him from the minute I've seen him, got to see him in complex ball. It was actually the first team I saw was Padres versus Mariners in complex. And he stood out. I actually have a video on my Twitter as well. If people want to check it out. You can see that video I just shared. But in the very beginning, and I think it was Gabriel Gonzalez, and two other guys walking up at the, the day complex started with a boom box. And they were just walking up energy, just playing some great Latin music. And they're kind of jumping up and down. I mean, there's good energy. He's a team leader. The team kind of vibes around him. He's got the bat. This is like a, this is a real deal guy. To be honest with you, I kind of like him a little bit more than I like Noel V when I first saw Noel V. And I'm not trying to say he's going to be better than Noel V. But like I like the things that Gabriel Gonzalez does at this age and where I'm seeing him now compared to when I started to see Noel V. Marte. I think he's maybe even a little bit more refined. Now, do you both, I'm guessing, then have him above Alberto Rodriguez, who is another outfield prospect for the Mariners, and at least on MLB.com prospect rankings, Fancraft uh, prospect rankings, he's ranked behind him. Uh, do you guys have him firmly ahead, slightly ahead, or, or even do you still have him behind just like these other sites have? Him? No, I do. I have him firmly, firmly ahead. They're, they're, they're a different, quite a bit different apart from me. Agreed. 
All right. Well, there you go. That's why you guys listen to this show. You can look up rankings from other sites, but these two are plugged in as much as the best of them. Firmly ahead when talking about uh, Gabriel Gonzalez compared to Alberto Rodriguez. Let's now talk about the last part of the show here. And of course, our who's next? Who's could be making their debut in the big leagues really, really soon. Mike, we'll kick it off with your guy first because it's somebody we haven't talked about yet on this show. I, I got to be honest, I have not researched how to say his name. Is it Egi Rosario? Is that Iggy. Is it just as it? It's Egi. Egi yeah. Rosario. Thank you. So, uh, can play multiple positions in the infield for the Padres in AAA right now. Got 18 home runs, 18 steals. Mike, you think with this stacked Padres team that he has a chance to get called up here? Well, that was the tough part. I was trying to find a guy we haven't talked about. Uh, that that could realistically have some sort of fantasy relevance this year. And as you said, he's capable of playing all three of those infield positions. I am a little concerned about his size overall. Like he's listed at five, nine, probably about 170 right now. So there's probably some, you know, super utility type player here, but he's showing some good power speed. You know, he's showing a solid approach. Um, and basically he's 22 years old in AAA too. So, there's not when I when I do the age filters of 22 year olds in AAA, he's one of the better players this year. So I don't even think he's necessarily reached his full potential. The scouting grades don't look amazing, but I do think he has better like an above average hit tool probably with above average speed, and it's just a matter of how real the power is. But ultimately, I do think he's probably not going to get called up this year because of the team he's on but I felt like he needed to be brought up because if he was on a different team or if I just looked at his situation separate from his organization, he feels generally underrated. I don't think this is a big high ceiling type guy, but in general, this is just a guy who's bringing power speed with proximity. And it's not a 24 year old in AAA. It's a 22 year old. Yeah, I like it. And again, you're right. You're right. Maybe in a different situation, this is somebody that is either called up by now or, or somebody we expect to see, but with the Padres being playoff contenders and going all in and bringing all these veteran hitters and pitchers and they, they want to win now. So this might be a guy that doesn't get a chance right now, but I'm, I'm glad you did bring him up because again, for people that are just looking for dynasty purposes, this is somebody that if you didn't know about and you've been watching the show for a while, uh, his name is here and he's somebody that could contribute sooner rather than later. Well, your player Somebody you watch, I'm sure, consistently since he's in the farm system for your Arizona Diamondbacks. We did this; we've done this show now for about four months, and I've just seen him just skyrocket up rankings. And he's now the consensus top three prospect. A lot of places you look, one of the best hitters in the minor leagues, Corbin Carroll. Let's let's bring keep the yeah. love going. Let's talk about him. Yeah, I mean, like I I didn't I. I... <laughs> Maybe I pulled my punches earlier to just give a total layup of a guy here uh, with giving you deeper names before. But, you know, I'm in a place with Corbin Carroll where there's only one reason I'm going to be able to figure out why he's not up because he's doing everything. He Every call, he's moved um, – Oh, he's moved two real levels. He played a little bit of complex, but in double A this season, he hit 313, 16 homers, 20 stolen bases. He's been up at triple A for almost 20 games now. He's hitting over 300. He's hitting 310. His OBP higher than in double A. The only thing that's dropped a little bit is the power numbers. His slugging has dropped down, but it's still a 500. So he's a 345 slash guy with a thousand OPS at triple A. 
21 homers, 27 stolen bases, not going to probably hit to be a 30-30 guy. But why would a team not do this when they brought up Alec Thomas? Why? What, what would be the reason? The only reason I can think of, and I'm starting to speculate on, is maybe the same reason with Miguel Vargas, is the new incentive for prospects to be on the opening day roster. Now, here's the only thing I don't know, and I haven't confirmed. Does a guy have to either A, have lost prospect, or still have it prospect eligibility, or just never been up in the majors? I think it's prospect eligibility. And if that's the case, then what do these teams have, especially the Diamondbacks, an advantage of losing prospect eligibility right now? Because if he comes up right now, you're probably going to lose it. But if you bring Corbin Carroll up in September, you could leave him short of 130 plate appearances, then put him on the opening day roster, and guess what? He wins rookie of the year, you get a first-round pick like the Mariners are going to get with Julio mm -hmm. Rodriguez. So it's weird because this new incentive to get guys to be opening day now I think is going to cause guys to not come up on the back end of the year, at least earlier. So I say all of that to say, I don't know what the Diamondbacks are looking to do here because you don't need to go try out Jordan Luplo the rest of the season. You're not winning big games. You got Alec Thomas. You got some of your young guys. The best thing that they could do is you bring up Corbin Carroll to get him some run in the majors. Then, because he's missed a little bit of time this year, send him to the AFL. And then you have him on the opening day roster to coop in all your picks because there's nothing he can't do. There's nothing that he's doing from a negative standpoint. I mean, you really can't pick it apart. Doesn't strike out a whole bunch. He's walked. Here's another thing. Same amount of walks as strikeouts in AAA right now. I mean, he is checking every single box, A-plus defender. He's a leadoff hitter. So I'm saying all this. I'm kind of making a case why he's not up because of that rule. But I just don't know how – I don't think they're going to do it the whole season. I think he will be up. I'm a little worried it's going to be closer to September. But I think that's the big next impactful guy to come up. And that may be why also throw down Miguel Vargas. You know, let's not do this. Dodgers going to have him on the opening day roster next year. They might be in line for a pick. I think teams might be loading up. Same thing why maybe Gunnar Henderson isn't out there. You'll, I think you, you'll see a quietness for the next two or three weeks. And then I think right around September, it's going to get a little bit louder with teams knowing they're not going to lose prospect eligibility with some of the top guys. And then, you know, if Grayson returns, you could see maybe Grayson Rodriguez for a start or two, Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll, some of the big names that are right on the line there that they won't lose that, you know, opening day roster flexibility that some of these, obviously, you know, the Royals and the Mariners are going to take advantage of. It's a slick thing. I, I wish I could, I need to try to dig around and see if I can get some, a little bit more clarity, but I'm pretty sure it's just about them being prospect eligible and being on the opening day roster. And that is why I would expect Gunner and Carroll to be on that next year, but maybe why they're not getting the call up immediately. It makes complete sense. Uh, I mean, now that you put it out there, you have obviously, like you mentioned, the first round pick that comes with it. But then at the same time, when it's a new season, anybody can win and you create a lot more excitement. Corbin Carroll starting out the year with the call club, like we're going to win now. This is a whole new team. This is not the same losing culture as last year. I feel like it's yeah. almost like a blank slate. And well, can... and remember, it's also three. It's if you finish in the top three of the rookie voting, you get a pick. I think if you win, you get a first. And I don't, I just, I got, I don't remember what the other is, but the other two guys. So let's say Julio Rodriguez wins the award. Mariners are going to get like a compensatory first round pick. Well, Bobby Witt is going to finish two. He's going to get something. And mm -hmm. then I just don't remember the rest. Unfortunately, the Tigers are going to lose out because Torkelson broke, but 
he's not going to finish in the top three. Yeah. But those two are at least going to uh, acquire some picks. I think teams are going to be much more strategic about it going into next year. So that's why I'm kind of looking around at Vargas and Carroll and Henderson and might even speculate a little bit more on what guys look like they could be there, but teams might be setting them up for next year. I love it. It's very exciting. Uh, well, one thing, last thing I got to ask you here. An outfield of Corbin Carroll, Andrew Jones, and uh, Alec Thomas. Get out and then here. you have uh, Jordan Lawler playing on the middle infield. You have friend of the podcast, Dre Jameson, out there pitching. I, I mean, there's so much young talent coming through the Diamondback system. In three, Are you already picturing what Welsh in three years is going to be like going to D-backs games? I mean, hopefully uh, skinnier, happier, healthier, uh, mental state is much better, uh, watching wins. I'm not used to watching a bunch of wins. No, I'm, I'm ecstatic about it. They they have their right full of talent. It's a great system right now. And uh, hopefully they're going to, I mean, Landon Sims, they just got in the draft with Drew Jones, by the way, who could either be like an A-plus closer or a big starter. They've got a, Dre Jamison, a very athletic kid. A funny story I had heard that Dre Jamison and Corbin Carroll during like two, I think it was maybe during the, um, the COVID year, they did a race yeah. and, uh, Dre Jamison beat him during the, during, during the, some race on field, like Corbin Carroll's crazy fast, but Dre Jamison's a crazy cool, good athlete, but yeah, Brandon fat, Dre Jamison, Ryan Nelson, they got a bunch of dudes. Diamondbacks. It's, it's not a bad time to be a Diamondbacks, uh, future speculator. It's fantastic time. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but well, on that note, we got to get you out of here, man. I know your time. We very much appreciate you joining us and talking all these great prospects for the last time, for those that might've missed the beginning, can you tell everybody where they can find you all the great work that you do? And of course, where they can find your Patreon. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, is it the Welsh? My Twitter handle is probably the best place for most stuff in this league.com is the hub. That is our Patreon. That's where I've got the 500, the dynasty, the prospect ADP. We've got group me rooms where you like get access to me and Bogman. Uh, we have credible prospect room in there. A whole bunch of other stuff. Collectors. I share some video and, and info sometimes that I don't put out on Twitter. So Patreon's the best way and you are directly supporting like the independent stuff I do, but that's the best thing. Just Twitter, the Patreon, those are the big important ones. You'll kind of see all the other stuff that I'm involved in. Prospect One, uh, you guys can subscribe to if you don't already and check out. I'll be doing uh, probably a lot of Prospect ADP episodes in the coming future here. Are you, and I'll see you at first pitch Arizona, right? You're going to, are you going to be I'm there? Here. I live here. I mean, I don't I, do, I'm not was, like involved in the stuff, but I'm, I will be here. I'm a, I'm a, a notorious lurker. I'm always at the games anyways. And there's usually like a late night poker game, which didn't happen last year just because everyone was weird with COVID and stuff. But uh, I imagine everything will be kind of back to normal this year. So we do the poker, uh, sometimes some, you know, dinners and lunches. Hopefully you, me, we can uh, catch up, have some food and I'll see, yeah, I'll be seeing you in like uh Three months, I guess. A little less than three months. Yeah, man. I can't wait. I've heard so many great things about it, and I'm pumped to go this year. So, yeah, you're gonna uh, have a blast. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, but make sure you again check out Is It the Welsh on Twitter. Make sure you guys check out In This League. Make sure you check out the Patreon. Again, so much great stuff comes out from him and Bogman. You guys need to make sure you rectify if you have not already been part of what they are doing over there. And for you guys that watch this every single week or you listen to the podcast, we greatly appreciate you guys. Please make sure if you're on YouTube, you smash that like button. Leave a comment below. Talk about just how handsome the Welsh is. You can leave something like that. Or you know, talk about just how uh, how awesome Baby Huey was today. I think Baby Huey's camera stayed completely normal today, so we got to make sure we compliment that. 
And for those on the podcast feed, we appreciate you guys listening and any reviews there is greatly appreciated. Until week 19 of the call-up for Welsh, for Mike, I'm D-Many. We'll catch you guys next.